welcome to Herd Art Materials. I'm Faye. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free. In this episode, we are talking about chapter 15 of The Amber Spyglass, The Forge. makes me think of and this is going to be relevant to no one unless you grew up in or around Sheffield Pond's Forge remember Pond's me Forge me too I was literally just thinking about Pond's Forge right <laughs> especially because we went to a water park when I was on holiday and I was like where is where's like the nearest one to us like back home and they had like did they have like a lazy river or like a rapids thing and like two slides it was like a, a sad excuse for a water park it's not but... great they have like the slide that goes outside the because yes. it's, yeah. it's the one that you drive past, when you drive into Sheffield if you're coming from where my parents live I think you drive past yeah. it don't you? it's like past the station yeah. from my end yeah but the, it's the opposite for way the for station for yeah. you yeah. <laughs> very Sheffield relevant but what happened I thought it closed down is it reopened so it's definitely still there I don't know whether it's just a like a gym and stuff now if it's actually like still there by the way it's a it's it's not a what what would you call it it's it's not a water like park. a big leisure center that's like mostly pool. Yeah, because they had like an Olympic standard swimming pool there, right? That was the main thing they had. Is like it's the right size to train for Olympic stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But what do you call that? As in, like, so do you know there's like Barnsley Metrodome as well, which is like a big. It's not a water park. What is it? Because it kind of it is like an indoor water thing with slides and shit. I'm sure there's a name it's for just, it. It's just a pool. <laughs> No, <laughs> no. I'm gonna have to. Go- I'm googling it. Barnsley Metrodome. Did you ever go to Barnsley Metrodome? It's great. No, it's too far for us. I think. Yeah, it's really good. We've been more likely to go like Manchester way than Barnsley way. Oh, this is a very Sheffield-centric <laughs> intro, <laughs> specifically about Pond's Forge. Anyway, I can't find it. It just said sports and leisure <laughs> complex. Hi, hi, how are you? Hi, I'm good. I am good. Good. How How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm here, aren't I? Is that not enough? <laughs> I showed up. What more do you want? <laughs> you had a holiday, remember? You had another holiday and you went without me. How dare you? I did. I am a some kind of posh gear that takes two holidays in two months and, and now has no money. Um, no, it was really nice. I went, I, we went to Fuerteventura and stayed in a little town called Coralejo and it's really nice. Went to the beach Stayed, hung around a villa, read a bunch of books, sat around. Nice. Sat in the sun for approximately five minutes at a time before scurrying back into the shade because it was too hot. And yeah, it was good. Managed to not get badly sunburned. I've got like a little bit pink, but I did not get sunburned. That was my, that's that's always my main aim is to not come back looking like a tomato anywhere, anytime I've been somewhere that has sunshine. That's so, good. Success. That's good. It's the first time in I've worked out like in about six years that I've done a holiday like that where it is just the aim is to do nothing and like relax. Like you're not if all you do all day is just lay around and read and snooze and drink wine. That is fine. Not that I'm a particular wine drinker, but I was gonna say you're not drinking wine. So did you drink wine? Uh, the, 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 yes. Well, the drink of the holiday. Is a Tinto de Verano, which is red wine topped up with lemon Fanta. It's really good. Oh, I've never heard of this. I've heard of red wine and Diet Coke. It's like cheap sangria. <laughs> red wine and Diet Coke, I think, is also, it's like Tinto something, I think, okay. as well. Like yeah. it's, um, yeah, classic go to's, I think. Nice. Also, that stuff. just made me think it's sangria season coming up, baby. It is. I can't wait. Oh, me Cannot neither. wait. Bloody love sangria. I quite love sangria as well. Oh. We had a lot of tapas. Oh, it was really good. Nice. There was a little bar. If anyone's ever in Coralejo, in Fuerteventura, in the Canary Islands, you should go to a little bar called Land of Freedom. We were like, this sounds really American. Is it going to be like covered in eagles and stuff? No, it's just a really cute bar. It's got like rainbows everywhere. It's all like outdoor patio. The whole thing is just like... It's like a family-run restaurant situation. It's all then they do these tapas plates where you get like 
six dishes and like you can opt for the wine pairings with them and they were just really nice and we it was so good that you we did the classic thing when you go on holiday on the last night of your holiday you go back to your favorite place that you went while you were there and we went back there on the last night it was really good oh you do what we did in america and just go to fucking subway all the time oh my god <laughs> that, that holiday was sponsored by subway it really was Unlike this podcast, Subway, do something about it. Sponsor us. Yeah. Hell <laughs> imagine, yeah. imagine if this podcast was sponsored by Subway. <laughs> what do you think Lyra and Will would eat if they could choose while they were stuck in the wilderness? Subway, eat fresh. There you go. Exactly. That's my advert. <laughs> Lyra doesn't need to learn how to open a can of beans if she can just order an Italian BMT to go. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, I don't really have much to report. Other than I just got drunk over the bank holiday and then got depressed about it. You went to the beach. I did. You saw the sea. I did. Your best friend, the sea. Yeah. I went to Brighton. I paddled and everything, got my jeans wet. Oh boy. It was nice, actually. It was very nice. Do you want to know what is interesting and exciting? Yes. Finding out what your demon is. What's yours been for this last week and a half? I like kind of phoned it in a bit this week. So I was like, I'm really, do you know what? I know I've said this for loads, but for a long time now, I've been struggling to pick a demon. I don't know why. Just struggle. So I was like, okay, well, I think I'd want like a little mouse, just like a, a really small demon this week. I think mostly because like, I want to hold it because it's cute. But also, if you've got a bigger demon, it can kind of betray your feelings a little bit more than like having a tiny demon that can like hide away can and I kind of feel like I've wanted to there's been a couple of times in the last like few weeks or so where I've wanted to like you know maybe hide my feelings a little bit more than I like usually would or I've been in situations where I haven't really been able to let out the feelings so I've wanted to like keep them in for that moment so I feel like having a mouse for that would be good because it can just it can just like hide somewhere and not give away that I'm a depressed bitch. <laughs> and I just gave it away. <laughs> now everybody oh, knows. No. <laughs> the little field mouse of depression. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, it's okay. What about you? I am channeling the same energy that I had while I was on my holidays. I'm going to go for a lovely plump seal Aww. to lay on its side opposite me on a sun lounger while I'm like laying and reading my book the seal can like bask in the sun or not in the sun can it be an elephant seal and make those hideous noises no because it would have to be a boy elephant seal and and I fucking hate them they're disgusting they really (laughs) are I think he'd be yeah no just like a classic seal seal 1.0 sea dog sea pup I sometimes think about the size of those male elephant seals and how it like shook me a little bit like I didn't like yeah, it it's like a it's scary it scared me a bit <laughs> yeah too big too big whereas the female ones are like so round and lovely and you just want to like grab them and like give them a little squish yeah 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 like a little stress ball <laughs> a little stress yeah. seal it's because they, they look exactly like the seal plushie that everyone got yeah, like last do. year they do almost exactly especially in how spherical they are yeah, I quite often go back and look at that video that I took of one, just like trying to get, <laughs> trying to flop along on the on the beach. It's just so cute. <laughs> do you know what just came into my brain? It's got absolutely nothing to do with anything. And it was another thing that I was going to tell you in my monologue. <laughs> Excellent. Love it. Tell me. So Coachella happened recently. Uh, that'll be why I keep seeing people making Coachella jokes on Twitter. Yes. And Phoebe Bridges played and she came out to... Down with the sickness by disturbed. Oh my god, of course she did. Oh my god, I I was like, <laughs> yes, it was so good, and I was like, I hope she does that when we go and see her. Phoebe Bridges sponsor this podcast. <gasps> Phoebe, oh my god, is she a historic materials fan? Okay, people tell us there must be a cross section. There's people that listen to this and people that love Phoebe Bridges because we are people who make this and we love Phoebe Bridges. So if you have seen her tweet anything that could even remotely be a reference to HDM, tell us. Please tell us. I will slide into those DMs so fast, honestly. (laughs) Well, (laughs) well indeed. (laughs) Let's do it. Let's get a petition. Get Phoebe on the pod. Even if she's never read them. Like, read this chapter, Phoebe. Come and talk to us about it. Come and tell us what you think without any context. It'll be like Potterless, but with it'll be dustless. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Anyway. 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 Shall we record a podcast about his dark materials? Shall we? (laughs) We shall. (laughs) 
last chapter, Lyra, Will, Tally and Sally headed back to Lyra's world to find Yorick. Yorick was reluctant to fix the knife because he was scared of what it could do. Lyra used the alethiometer to find out more about the knife's intentions. In this chapter, Yorick, Lyra and Will fix the knife. Yorick speaks to Lyra and Will and Lyra says a potentially final goodbye to Bear Dad. (laughs) I hope it's not a final goodbye. Would you like to guess what the picture is before you tell me about the quirk, which I definitely did read but can't remember very well fair uh is it a fire no is it <laughs> fire i don't know no. no still not a fire no are you no. sure it's not a fire it's like all the i think it's like the tools uh okay yeah it's like the rock and the the, the branches yeah my tools Mm-hmm. That was an always sunny quote, by the way. My tools, I have to have my tools. Who says that? Dennis, because he's got like he opens his car boot and he's obviously got like rope and like a fucking shovel and shit, and he's like, it's like it's fetish shit. My tools, I have to have my tools. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Anyway, anyway, okay. So the quote for this is from our pal, our favorite. Spooky bitch and rabble rouser, William Blake. We know all about William. Phil's quoted him at least three times already. Maybe maybe only twice, maybe three times. I think this is the third time, right? Yeah. No. I think it's the fourth time. Because you've had two quotes from the Lion poem and one quote from something else. Oh, hell yeah. All right. I think. And then this. The quote is, As I was walking among the fires of hell, delighted with the enjoyments of genius. Why has genius got a capital G? Dunno, just like special in it. <laughs> I didn't find that out fair. It wasn't part of my research. Don't ask me questions I can't answer. <laughs> Sorry. Because <laughs> it's like a noun genius. Nouns don't have capital letters unless, unless it's a proper noun. It's not a proper noun. How do you know the genius isn't a person? I've not told you about the context. It's not, but <laughs> maybe it is. So this is from a book we know. William Blake was well into all of his printing presses and publishing and ink etchings, and he was all about publishing his own work. And so this is from a book that's a collection of pieces. There's some poems, some short like mini stories and like thought experiments and stuff, and some illustrated scenes because we know he was also an artist. The book is called The Marriage of Heaven and Hell, and it describes a poet's visit to hell, which is something that we see quite a lot. And it's also something we know that Phil loves because it is in Dante's Divine Comedy and Milton's Paradise Lost, which we know Phil loves. So like, it's quite a common theme. And as we can tell from potentially the stuff that Will and Lyra are talking about in this chapter, it's a theme that Phil is clearly exploring in these books <laughs> um, with the idea of like traveling to different lands. Would you like me to read the whole piece? There's like a paragraph. Doesn't make a ton of sense, but kind of contextualises it and also makes me wonder, aside from the fact that it says fire in it, why Phil's picked it as a quote, which seems to happen a lot with these. Is it about a pantomime? It's not about a pantomime (laughs) this time and it's not five pages long, so (laughs) fortunately. Uh, The piece is called A Memorable Fancy and it begins with the quote, As I was walking among the fires of hell, delighted with the enjoyments of genius, which to angels looked like torment and insanity, I collected some of their proverbs, thinking that as sayings used in a nation mark its character, so the proverbs of hell show the nature of the infernal wisdom better than any description of buildings or garments. When I came home on the abyss of the five senses, where a flat-sided steep frowns over the present world, I saw a mighty devil folded in black clouds, hovering on the sides of the rock. With corroding fires, he wrote the following sentence, now perceived by the minds of men and read by them on earth. How do you know but every bird that cuts the airy way is an immense world of delight closed by your senses five? He's a riddle writer. He's a rabble rouser. We don't know what he's talking about. I certainly don't. Give me like metal vibes. Very metal vibes. Very like, oh, I like was walking through hell looking at all the geniuses and like the geniuses of hell that angels can't perceive and would only see as torment and insanity, but I can see it's clever. So that is very much the vibe of this. Um, so this entire book was written as a response to a book written 33 years prior by a guy that was quite strictly religious called Emmanuel... Swedenborg. Ooh. 
good name. Mm. And that was just called Heaven and Hell. Uh, Blake directly cites and like calls out Swedenborg multiple times in the marriage of heaven and hell. And he was influenced by like Swedenborg's imagery and like the grand and mystical and like cosmic stuff that is discussed in it. But he dislikes the polarized view of like good versus evil and deliberately wanted to present a depolarized version of the cosmos where the material and physical desires are just as much a part of the divine order as like order and angelicness and good versus evil and holiness so that's why it's called the marriage of heaven and hell which is interesting someone a few years later goes on to write something that is in direct opposition to the marriage of heaven and hell called the divorce of heaven oh and hell God. heaven and hell is having a real time of it <laughs> but in essence he say like blake's whole thesis on this is like how's about we stop polarizing everything like maybe we need the bad stuff and like the stuff that you would tar with the brushes being evil in order to contextualise the good stuff. And maybe all of that together is what makes life worth living and what makes humanity interesting and what makes the what makes the world go round. Like, you can't just say good and bad or whatever. It's just, it, they have to work together. Like, they're not se- separate entities, I think. And it's just, Blakey is a pretty cool guy. I mean, <laughs> that vibe kind of makes sense for the overarching thing of the books, I suppose, right? Yeah, definitely. And especially... I can see every time I read another thing that's written by William Blake or about Blake's opinions on organised religion and the church, it makes me understand why Phil keeps drawing on him and his work because it is there is such an alignment there between what it feels like Phil is getting across in this book and his opinions of organised religion and the church and Blake's opinions of it as well. So, yeah, I feel like good quote from Phil. Absolutely. The main thing that sticks out is like, oh, the, the fires of hell and this whole chapter is to do with building a fire. But also like, is it a bit foreshadowy if you know the poem and you know the work and it's about somebody visiting hell and Lyra and Will are talking about going to the world of the dead? Is it that Phil's kind of all, I mean, he probably has, he's a very clever man. Um, <laughs> chosen it for those reasons of like, if you know what it's about, you'll know more than just that it feels like a relevant thing because of the fire. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Nice. I like that one. Quote corner. Okay, here we go. We open the chapter with a little insight into Tally and Sally. And in essence, they don't trust Will and Lyra. They're like, we have to stick to them like glue. We know the moment that knife is fixed, they're going to try and escape. I'm sorry you just said stick to them like glue and it made me think of that Sean Paul song. I didn't know that song. I refuse to sing it. Sing it. Sing it immediately. I'm not pretending not to know it. Just so you'll sing it. I genuinely don't know it. I'm not singing it. Okay. Wait, wait. Oh, my phone's over there. Go on Spotify. <laughs> this is going to be so worth it. Is it in the first line? Because if not... It's in the second line. It's in the second line. Okay. I think it's called glue or something. Just put glue, Sean Paul. Like glue? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, when I said it, it also triggered a thing in my head that I was like, I'm what's the what's the thing that you say in the playground when someone insults you? Like um, I'm rubber, you're glue, glue, whatever yeah. you say bounces off of me and sticks to you. <laughs> and then I went straight to Jean Paul. I'm leaving that in as well. I don't think Jean Paul's gonna come for us. <laughs> he might. <laughs> oh. I've never heard that song before in my entire life, so I'm also glad you didn't try to sing it because that would have been <laughs> See what hilarious. I mean. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of Year Seven Youth Club that used to play Jean Paul all the time. Classic vibes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I've already derailed us. Tally and Sally sticking to Will like glue. Like Sean Paul. like Sean Paul and the girl in that song. (laughs) Yes. They're Sean Paul. They're they're taking the Sean Paul approach to their spycraft. They are. Um, They are. (laughs) They say that uh, Lyra is too trusting and she loves easily and uh, she is going to be easier to fool than Will. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a pretty snap judgment because they've only just met Lyra and she's been sleepy a lot of this time. <laughs> True. I think they are right in saying that she loves easily. True. I don't know how right they are in saying that she's too trusting. I think she maybe once was, but I think she's learning. Yeah. 
I would say maybe you could say that she's a little, she's more naive than Will, but I don't even say she's more trusting necessarily because she has, she's been tricked enough times now. That's true. Hmm, I'm not sure. Not sure. I think it's a misjudgment, but also just, yeah, she's innocent and she loves easily. It's just like, what a description. It's like simultaneously like, I wish I could say that was me, but also that sounds like a real method for getting your heart broken a lot. For sure. I think that used to be me. No, I don't love anyone or anything. I refuse. <laughs> so Tally and Sally have basically called, they've like guessed that Will and Lyra are going to go into a different world as soon as the knife's fixed. Yorick is laying out Holly's tools. My tools! I have to have my tools! Sorry, I have to do it again. <laughs> but like Sally's a bit judgy of them. Both Tally and Sally are a bit judgy of them because they've seen Asriel's fortress with the blast furnaces and the rolling mills and the fancy ambaric forges and hydraulic presses and stuff. But like Yorick's confidence, because Yorick just has like an open fire, a stone hammer and an anvil that consists of a piece of Yorick's armour, which I love. Like how practical. You're so practical, Bear Dad. Um, But like the confidence that Yorick is going about doing this makes them kind of like hold their tongues because it's like there's no way that he's doing all this with this confidence thinking that it might not work, you know? Yeah, for sure. Also, we said this off pod, and I'm going to say it now before I forget to say it at the end, but this chapter is very strange in the sense that it's like three or four pages of, like, fixing a knife and then, like, two pages of horrendous emotional turmoil. Mm -hmm. We'll get more into it, but I'm, like, firmly of the belief that they could have really described this knife being fixed in a little less time. When I was reading it, there were some bits I'm like, oh, that's cool, like generally telling us how it's going to be done. But Phil kind of ended up just saying the same thing over and over again using different words. And it's like, we get it. You're fixing the knife and it's hard. Yeah, it's he's very into the process. He wants us to know exactly what's happening here. But there are points at which he describes the same thing happening. Like, oh, this is happening and we can feel it a bit. This is oh, oh, And it's happening a bit more now. But he's taking a paragraph to describe it every time. It's like, we get it. They build a fire. Yorick's very specific about how he likes his fires built. I wish I'd had that training in fire building when I was doing a lot of camping out in fields and attempting to build fires as a teenager oh my God, and same. struggling and just not being any good at it. <laughs> I think the key was that we kept trying to burn damp branches. And notoriously, that is not known for working well. <laughs> they really should have given us more like... Wilderness training. <laughs> wilderness training, yeah. Just if we could have just had like a Bear Grylls course at school, please. <laughs> I was a frigging girl guide. I just, oh, we never learned how to do a fire. But yeah, no, my, my outdoor survival skills are severely lacking, but I wish I had a Bear Dad to teach me. Mm, me too. They managed to build the fire in such a way that it's like super hot on like one side only. No PPE at any point during this. They're building a fire that is so hot that at points throughout this chapter, they mention that they are physically scorching their own skin. Yep. They are literally burning alive. Yeah. Yorick's given them no advice on how to not get burned. I love Bear Dad. Don't get me wrong. And I'm just going to go into it now. But like, he gives them no warning about what's going to happen. Especially like when he, when Will has to like actually do some like thought shit you know when he has to like hold the knife in his in his mind to help it yeah. be forged he didn't warn him of this before like by the way you're gonna have to concentrate on five things at once yeah and then he's like when it comes <laughs> okay. to the time for him to do it it's just like do it then I'm like ah what thanks for the warning i'm already like fucking half burnt here i would be surprised if yorick was like now kids use your ppe like don't forget to use your protective equipment and like giving them loads because he's he's gruff bear dad he expects like no nonsense and people to get done what's going to get done he's like the workshop technician uh if you've ever if anyone's ever been to like a creative uni like the workshop technician that's just like everybody loves them but also they're a bit gruff and you never want to get on the wrong side of them and like they don't really they just like expect common sense from you and will just be genuinely baffled and furious if somebody does not display common sense and it's like that's the vibe that Yorick gives off. Bedard does not care if children get burnt in the process. He directs Lyra to grab some rocks and kind of explains to her that they, when they're heated off, heated, they give off a gas that surrounds the blade and keeps the air from it so that the hot metal doesn't touch the air and it won't weaken it. I looked up if this was an actual thing because it feels like something that should be. And the closest thing I could find metal workers and metallurgists out there please do correct me if i'm wrong but the closest thing i could find was like the idea of flux which is a substance you put on metal to like clean it but also you can use it when you're wanting to like purify metals 
um, which you can get from rocks. There are stones which are fluxy. It's just made me... I'm sorry, I'm all... I'm Obviously, it's me, so this is just me in general, but I'm all over with the pop culture references. That just made me think of the Block Party song and then the Cold Flux. Yeah. And, and then I was thinking about the lyrics to that and I was like... Is that some kind of like reference to to what it, what it actually means? I don't know. I feel like maybe there is a connection between like the meaning of the word is like something that fluctuates, and then the meaning of the word is it's like the tool or like the substance as you use it in metalworking. I remember being like using it on like a thing that you would use on metal joints. I did like a really short amount of silversmithing at uh, college at art college. And it was like forging on a very, very small scale. But you would use flux in that. But that was more like a like a gritty, waxy substance that you would put on stuff, I think. Oh, God, I could be so wrong. It was literally 15 years or so since I've done it. So, But yeah, there are some stones that have properties of like flux-like stuff, including limestone and dolomite. So it could be one of those stones. But it also, it's very much like a substance you put on stuff in metalworking. It's not a, a gas created by rocks. So it could just be Phil using the idea of that substance in that way. Or it could be something totally made up. Or maybe there is a historical precedent for this, but I couldn't find it through Googling. Mm, so Interesting. Therefore, it doesn't exist. Well, exactly. <laughs> I just like to call out the... Pan is an owl and he's helping and later on he's a crow yeah. and he's helping and also he doesn't talk in this chapter either no he helps a lot but he doesn't talk I miss him except for at the end n- nobody does a lot of talking in this chapter it's a lot of description and not a lot of chat apart from Yorick shouting at people is basically the theme of this chapter he's in charge <laughs> Yorick explains to Will that the knife is not going to look as good as new it's going to be shorter because he's going to have to overlap stuff. And like, it's not going to be as like shiny and magical looking as it was before. Like the uh, iridescent qualities that we've had described of like the rainbows under the surface. It's not going to be the same. It's going to be dull. And like, obviously the handle's going to be burned to fuck. Nothing is said about Will having a reaction to that. I don't think I'd have a reaction to it. I'd just be glad that it was fixed. <laughs> I'd just be like, uh, actually, can you make it as shiny as new please? <laughs> I want it exactly like it was, or I don't I want, want it shiny or not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yorick's like making a hammer. There's loads of shit going on. The smell that's described of like Yorick breaking rocks is like really. I don't know why it gets me, but like I feel like I have memories of like trying to like break rocks. Like the smell that is made when rocks get broken is horrendous. Oh, I don't. It's think like I've ever a really it. specific smell. It's horrible. So like he puts the first two pieces together. And then, like, smacks him. Can you tell that I wasn't really on board? You know me, it is a fucking shit ton of description. I'm gone, you know? I'm here for these last three pages of this, where it's lots of, like, character shit. But when they're rebuilding this knife, I'm just a bit like, oh, I can't make it stay in my brain. So I feel like as somebody that works with their hands and as a maker, I should have more interest in this. And there are interesting parts of this mending process that I do enjoy. But like, I don't know, I feel like I should find it more satisfying than I do to to read and to read through as somebody that enjoys making things and enjoys hearing about processes of how stuff is made. A description of a craftsperson doing their craft should be something that I like, but it's it's not it doesn't it doesn't particularly do it for me. I think it's cuz like we said it's long and repetitive. I knew that it wouldn't be for me as soon as I stuck got into this chapter and I realized I was three pages in and they were still describing the knife getting fixed. <laughs> I was a bit like <laughs> fucking hell. I didn't like that uh Yorick's claws are burning and that Will could yeah. smell it. Do we think that because nails and claws are made of, is it keratin, which is the same stuff your hair is made of, is it going to be the same smell as burning hair? Because hair burning smells horrendous. It does. I wonder if it's even a stronger smell than burning hair, because it's like such a thicker thing to burn through. Thankfully, I've never smelled a burning nail. I don't think I ever want to. Claws might be different, but like... If you like think of your own fingernails and toenails, I feel like they would melt, not burn. I suppose it's because they feel a bit like when you feel them. I think like the closest substance that I could describe them to is like plastic. But then like your hair does that, doesn't it? If you burn a strand of hair, it like curls and bubbles before it burns. So there is that like plasticky element to it because like obviously plastic melts and bubbles before it burns too. So I think it would go a bit melty. Ooh, grim. Uh, no, yeah, grim. <laughs> when... Phil's describing how hot this knife is and then just Yorick just going in there with his bare hands. With his bare, his hands. bare hands. His bare hands. His bare, yep. bare hands. So the moment that Yorick starts working on the knife, like Will can kind of feel it, which again, 
I'm sure Yorick will have suspected that something like this might have been the case. Maybe not. Maybe he'll have just noticed it as he's such a skilled metal worker, but there isn't a description of him noticing it. He just tells Will. <laughs> like Will's suddenly like, what the fuck is happening? I am sensing everything that is happening with this knife. Are they quantumly entangled just like the lodestone resonator is? in some kind of way because like Will is bound to the knife now he can feel it and Yorick literally just shouts at him like hold it still in your mind and it's just like Will's just like what the fuck is happening and then yeah you have to forge it too this is your task as much as mine you should have told him that when you started yeah oh for sure oh for sure sure. 100% (laughs) it's bad and like Will knows what he has to do immediately but like a little bit of warning would have been fucking nice yeah (laughs) he can feel everything moving into place there's there's Get ready for like a lot of paragraphs describing atoms shifting and settling, basically. It's it's fine to read. It's, it's a fun enough read, but it is the same basic thing happening again and again because we are literally putting together a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, for sure. There's a bit here about Lyra and it says, Lyra, for her part, found her arms aching, her eyes streaming, her skin scorched and red and every burn in her body aching with fatigue. I was like, that was like, I was on the flight back from America. Yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine how she feels. She must feel like absolute dog shit. There is a lot of pressure on Will here and there's a lot for him to have to do physically and mentally. There's something really cool about the idea of Will having to hold it together in his mind and about him being a part of the process as the bearer. Like, that is a very cool concept that Phil's woven in here. It's just the fact that it's written repetitively that we're snagging onto <laughs> and then like Will has a minute where he's like I'm fucking done and basically Yorick glares at him until he's like okay I'll, <laughs> I'll try again yeah I do quite like that moment when they're like the bear sensed this too and paused before he began heating the last piece uh, he looked at Will and in his eyes Will could see nothing no expression just a bottomless black brilliance nevertheless he understood this was work and it was hard but they were equal to it all of them and I kind of like that. Like the bottomless black brilliance is a beautiful description for Yorick's eyes because we do hear about his eyes being like black all the time because he is a bear. He doesn't have people eyes like he's got. And it's really nice to like hear the descriptions of it. And the idea that it's just like a little team moment is nice. Yeah. So they they forged the knife together. They had no idea how long it took. They're all knackered and singed. So singed. Yeah. And then we learned that it must have been fucking ages because Tally and Sally have been taking it in turns to sleep. Yeah. Bit rude, really. They could have helped. Right? Come on. And then the knife is now cooling and it's too it's hot to touch. And then Yorick asks to see Will outside. Yeah. Tally and Sally are proper like the moment the knife is done, they're like, oh God, he's gonna he's gonna leave, he's gonna leave. And then it's like, no, no, it's too hot to touch. <laughs> also, they haven't quenched it yet. Exactly. Yorick goes through this whole like kind of a bit of a like existential crisis thing here where he's like they shouldn't have made that knife and I'm doubting stuff and I should not. Feels so bad for him. Yeah and he's like I should not be doubting stuff because I'm a bear and that's a human thing. And he's like I better basically he's like I better not be fucking becoming human. And I'm like Yorick I feel you're at shit. (laughs) You don't want (laughs) Nobody wants this. (laughs) But yeah like I just I don't know if you've had moments like that where you've like agreed to do something or you've just done something maybe for example when we just got strapped into those roller coasters at Six Flags and we were regretting it almost immediately yes. that feeling of like I've committed to this it's done now but I am like flooded with regret but also like not enough that I don't know if I've done the right thing but enough to like make me think about it it's almost like I guess there's like maybe I don't know if you ever had it just like half a moment like maybe the day after you've just got a new tattoo where you're like, oh, but what if I hate it in two weeks time? I know I won't, but like there's that doubt. It lives in the back of your head and it's there. And like Yorick's feeling that more than ever. It's that I've gone too far now, but I, I just don't know if it was the right choice. And like, I don't feel that way about any of my tattoos, but <laughs> there is a moment the next day we're like, that was a very permanent thing I just did. And I think that's the moment that Yorick's feeling, but like times a million of like, that was a very permanent thing I just did. I always think like for the tattoo thing for me, it's always when I see it on my skin, like um, not immediately after, because like there's always the like, oh, this is, looks nice. But like, do you know when you're on your journey home, especially when I had the one on my arm and I looked down at my arm and I was like, well, that's there forever now. And like, I fucking love the one on my arm. Like it's my fit. Fa- it's actually probably my favourite my tattoos but you're just like oh that's it yeah just like i just made a permanent decision yeah. oh my god yeah <laughs> it's also it's also 
one of the most permanent decisions that you can make, I think. I guess you can get tattoos removed just in the same way as you can, like, if you decide to get married, you can get a divorce. But it almost feels like a more permanent decision than getting married, if that makes sense. For sure. Oh, yeah. Because, <laughs> like, it's on your body for life. A person can fuck off. <laughs> but, like, there's going to be something there. Even if you do get it removed, like, it's going to be something. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, I totally get it. I feel sorry for him too. Bless his, bless his bare heart. Will is kind of like, oh, but when the first bear made the first piece of armour, it wasn't that bad too in the same way. And like, I kind of get that, but also I don't. But also before Yorick answers, he like rolls around in the snow and it's really cute. Oh God. Oh. Yeah, it's, oh God, I love it so much. Is that where there's the description of like Yorick and the snow are one? He is the em- He's the personification em- of snow. <laughs> Of all the snow in all the world. And it's like, yes, you are, yes, you are. Yeah. I think Phil's just fucking loving some Yorick descriptions this chapter because he knows he's not going to get to do a ton more if Yorick is right about not seeing Lyra again. Yeah, I mean, you get the vibe that like this is Yorick's goodbye chapter, I think, the way that it's written and the way that Yorick's so heavily featured and he gets a moment with Will and a moment with Lyra. That makes me think, and I, again... I can't remember, but that makes me think that we're not, we're either not, go- we're all not going to see him again, or at least Lyra and Will aren't going to see him again. Mm. <laughs> Get Johnny Forever on the phone. You forged and you fought. <laughs> yeah. Right, Johnny, where is he? Get him. <laughs> Get him right now. Give him a shout. Yeah. I said, I feel like Bear Dads wouldn't be a sad song. It'd be more like Bear Dad. And more like, trumpets and fighting and like ready to forge maybe like dwarven lord of the rings sounding vibes i went straight to like metal i think it'd be a great like oh (laughs) yes that's the one that is the one yes Yorick says that yes he thinks that it might have been bad like the first time armour was made for bears but he's also like but there was nothing before that it's bear nature it's bear custom I don't know anything about what was before that but he says that he thinks he stepped outside of bear nature in mending the knife he thinks he's been as foolish as Joffa Ragnarsson. I don't think that's true. I don't either. But also he says that it's like, I agree that it's different with Yorick because he's saying how, because Will's like, oh, is that not like when the bear made the first armour? Well, the bear made the first armour for the bears. By fixing this knife, Yorick is a bear meddling in human affairs. And that's what Yorick, I think, is saying is he feels like he's a bear doing like intervening in human business and lending his bear skills to human business which is what feels not right which i agree i agree with yorick that it is different true and yorick asks how the knife broke and then will just fucking blames it on colter again oh my god so much colter blame so much colter blame it's like accepts responsibility for this will she just fucking looked at you it's just like she knew what she was doing no she didn't she just existed how could she know that she would look at you and you would see your own mother like what the fuck no Uh, it's just denial denial it really is and then Yorick says something interesting which is whenever you talk about the knife you also talk about your mum and dad which is interesting and not something that I'd like put together Mm. but he asks him what he's going to do with it and then he fucking smacks him he could have killed him literally just cuffs him straight yeah you're a massive bear mate and this is a child (laughs) like what the fuck an exhausted child as well. I just, I can't, I can't get over just that. Just been knocked down a hill. <laughs> By a massive bear hand. I don't like that. I don't like it from Yorick. I'm not a fan of it. There's something like slightly humorous and endearing about it in terms of like, he's probably treating Will how he would treat one of his own cubs. Like it's quite bear daddy. Daddy? <laughs> bear dad-esque. <laughs> bear dad-ish. <laughs> I broke Faye with accidental oh bear daddy. Yes, you did. <laughs> I meant bear daddish. Bear daddy? Bear dad like. It's very <laughs> on tone for bear dad. <laughs> very on tone for like a bear dad. Can we like, put bear daddy on like a t-shirt, please? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Does that mean that instead of armor, Yorick needs to be wearing like leathers? <laughs> yes, hell yeah. Oh no. Okay. It's very like a bad dad. 
would treat their curb, I think, with the the cuffing. But also, yeah, you're right. Just we don't we don't appreciate the hitting of children here. That's not how this goes. Also, Will's just like, if you'd have let me explain right? myself, because he cuffs him when he's like, "What are you gonna do?" Will's like, "I don't know." And he cuffs him and just like, "What do you mean you don't know? I just fixed this bloody knife, and I told you it's like torn me apart inside to fix it." But also, Will's like, "If you give me a fucking chance to tell you, I, me said, I mean, I don't know, because here's the three things I could do." all of which are equally valid. Yeah, for sure. Thing number one, rescue Roger from the land of the dead. Thing number two, take the knife to Lord Asriel. Thing number three, see his mum again. That's a difficult choice. Well, two difficult choices. One, fuck Asriel. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, finding Roger. I mean... Oh, poor Roger. Poor Roger. But he's dead, you know. So... Yorick then kind of calls out Balthamos. Oh my God, he's just like the angel flood. The angel flood. I mean, yeah. But Will was right. He wasn't a warrior and he did as much as he could and then he couldn't do any more. And he wasn't the only one that was afraid. And yeah, fair. I'm glad that Will stood up for Balthamos there because, yeah, will we see him again? I hope so. Balthamos leaving was literally just that he popped up and surprised somebody by being shiny and then flew away. And that's the last we see of him. Like, that's an even shitter goodbye Balthamos than the goodbye Baruch yeah, was. it really is. <laughs> These characters have not been treated very fairly at all, if that's how, uh, if that's our goodbye to Balthamos. I can't, I genuinely can't remember if we see him again or not. I can't. It's terrible. I can't remember all. Let's hope we do. Will says a thing here that I don't I couldn't make sense of it as I was reading it. I thought with this, I know you're going to read it in a sec, but I my thing was that I don't really relate to this and I feel like Phil's trying to go for something like really deep, but I just don't think it's that relatable. Yeah. Will says, I have to think it through. Maybe sometimes we don't do the right thing because the wrong thing looks more dangerous and we don't want to look scared. So we go and do the wrong thing just because it's dangerous. We're more concerned with not looking scared than with judging right. It's very hard. That's why I didn't answer you. I don't know that I can understand the doing the wrong thing just because it's dangerous and you don't want to look scared. Maybe it's a teenage thing. I think maybe my teenage self could relate to this harder because I am very much an anxious human that definitely does not do the scary things because they're scary and that's why we don't do them. In fact, we don't do the very easy things because they're scary too. Yeah, we don't do anything. (laughs) We we do nothing. (laughs) It made me think of like it being a very like man thing to do. Like toxic masculinity vibes. Yeah, I could. Yeah, you could maybe see it being like a macho teenage thing. Definitely, I think Phil's written it as if it's like an interesting moral thing to have written, of like this is an interesting thing about humanity as a whole. But it genuinely feels like maybe it only applies to teenage boys. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Potential. Trying to think of any instance where I've done the scarier thing because it seemed if I felt people would judge me for doing the less scary thing. I don't think I've ever done that to be honest. They stand in silence for a little bit. Yorick's kind of like, well, again, this is a little bit repetitive in the sense that he's like, I'm troubled. I might have brought destruction to my kingdom. It might have been coming anyway. I ain't got a fucking clue what's going on, mate. It's basically what he's saying. And then he says to Will, basically, if you want to succeed in this task, then you can't think about your mum. Oh, I'll just stop thinking about my mum, shall I? What the fuck? Like, how can you just stop thinking about something? I don't know. Is there is there people in this world that have such control over their brains that they can tell their brain not to think about something and then their brain says, Cool, we'll never think about that again? That's not a thing that I can do. It's like the don't think don't think of a pink rhinoceros. Like, what are you doing right now? Obviously thinking of a pink rhinoceros. Yeah. Will is so obsessed with the like, you know, he's got a lot of guilt about leaving his mum and seeing her again and blah blah blah. And as a person that has very obsessive thoughts. I just would not... If something was troubling me that much and it was going round and round in my brain, there was no way I'd be able to stop thinking about it. It makes sense as being just like, not just don't think of your mum, because he's obviously going to think of her, but like let go of the hope that you'll see her again, maybe, as being a solid thing, as being a thing that is like prominent. Like, let that go. Yeah. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't maybe is the thing like that can't be something you're choosing to think about striving for and like so then maybe when he thinks of her it's it's more in terms of like oh that's sad i might not see her again i might <laughs> blah 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 i'm sorry but oh, that's, that's, sad. that's sad bye mom oh, that's sad hey mom bye <laughs> <laughs> but i don't know just yeah because you're right just being like you can't think of her well obviously then he's gonna think of her all the time because he already does yeah I don't know, maybe that's easier for Yorick because he has a bear brain and not a human brain. True. Yorick is just very 
struggly, struggly buggly in terms of like he is just really troubled having to do unbear-like things and like doubt and he's not used to feeling doubt and he just wants to be a bear again and he wants everything to be simple like it was before and like I feel you Yorick. Yeah oh, for sure and Yorick wants to speak to Lyra now and like Will doesn't really know what to say so he just says thank you thank you Yorick Bernison gets a full name at the end. Mm-hmm. You got a full name someone when you say goodbye. Of course of course. They go back to the cave. They do the last process of fixing the knife. Mm-hmm. So satisfying. I would love to just quench like, it. Yeah, I'd love cool. to do that. It is a very satisfying. I've only ever done it with small things. I like made it done like made like rings and stuff at school, and like it's the smallest version of that where you literally just like take the thing that you've just soldered or whatever, and you um you just pop it in the hot bath, and it's like pssst. yeah, it's like putting a match in a in a glass of water. It's really satisfying. I love that. So yeah, the knife the knife does look different. It looks shorter, less elegant. It's got like dull patches where all the cracks in it were where it broke. Charred handle. Sad times for Will. He's not got a shiny knife. And then uh, Yorick wants to speak to Lyra, so he like takes her outside. And I fucking can't with this. I can't. I just can't. <sighs> you know what the problem with this description is? Is I'm going to want to draw it, and it's going to take me fucking hours. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> like, I don't want to draw this because it's going to be hard. But also, I desperately want to draw this. <laughs> Yorick had taken her a little further up the slope to a point out of sight of the cave, and there he had let her sit cradled in the shelter of his great arms, with pantaloon nesting mouse formed at her breast. Yorick bent his head over her and nuzzled her scorched and smoky hands. Without a word, he began to lick them clean. His tongue was soothing on the burns, and she felt as safe as she ever had felt in her life. <gasps> because we all need a bear dad. Just like how far Yorick has come with his like physical affection for Lyra as well is like massive compared to like when they first met. This is the most like physical contact. Obviously she's like ridden on him before, but like this is the most like meaningful physical contact that they've ever had. And it's just really sweet. Also, if they don't make a giant model of Yorick that's like in that position with his arms out that you can sit in like a chair at the premiere of the TV series and they're missing a trick. Oh my God, who, who do I need to get on the phone for this? Dan? Dan who, who can I pitch this to? Jane Tranter? Excuse me. Put us in Excuse touch me. with your merchandise department, please. Please, can you make bear chairs? Bear chairs. We all need to feel as safe as Lyra in this moment. And that would do it. You could you could customise one of those like hanging egg chairs to like Ooh. create the same effect, right? Oh, also... Just to note, for this bit, we're back in Lyra's point of view. And we were wondering when we were going to be back in Lyra's point of view. Yes, yes. Finally, back in Lyra's head. It's nice to it's nice to be here. He asked her about the land of the dead. Just where she's like, can is not the same as must, but if you must and you can, then there's no excuse. While you're alive, your business is with life. No, Yorick, she said gently. Our business is to keep promises, no matter how difficult they are. You know, secretly, I'm deadly scared and I wish I'd never had that dream and I wish Will hadn't thought of using the knife to go there, but we did, so we can't get out of it. She's just so good and so pure. Also, like, yeah, I, I really feel her for her. Like, they're in too deep. There's no going back. Just like some 41 said. <laughs> Why are so many song references today? Because they're in too deep and they're trying to keep the land of the dead. We'll finish that song another time. But I did I did all the hard work there. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot and it's it's sad. I feel it. When you're just like, this is too big for me. I am a child. It's too much. She asks Yorick what he's going to do. And he said he's going to go back north because they can't live there. There's no food. Like the snow's not good enough. Um, and also can feel war coming. He spoke to Serafina Peckler and she's going to Lord for all the Egyptians. Did that happen in this book? Because I don't remember that. Have we seen Serafina in this book? Yeah, because didn't she tell him that she told him he was dead and then he went and ate him? Yeah. Yeah. It must have been that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. How else did he know to go and have that tasty snack? <laughs> Not the first time we've referred to Lee Scorsby as a tasty snack, <laughs> but the most literal time. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. We find out that if Yorick dies, he's not going to have a ghost because he's a bear. Yeah. Bears don't have ghosts, apparently. But also very sweet of just like, he's like, my body will remain on the on the earth and become a part of it. It's just very like circle of life Very Lion King. Yes. Yeah. Like, if, you, if you ever come to Svalbard, <laughs> hit me up. Don't worry, girl. Got You're you. always welcome. Got we've always you. got a pull out bed. <laughs> <laughs> Always got a surfer bed for you. Yeah, and, wi- and Will as well. And Will. 
<laughs> and then he tells Lyra what happened when him and Will first met and like goes into this thing where he's like, so there's nobody that I'd trust with you other than Will. And I like the line of you are worthy of each other. Yeah, it's very much bad at giving Lyra his approval about the guy that she likes, even though she doesn't know she likes him yet. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, he's picking up on the vibes and he's like, you have my blessing. Not that anyone should need blessing, but he gives it. <laughs> Honestly, the go well, Lyra Silvertong, my dear friend, nearly made me cry. I was like, I can't. Mm -hmm. I can't. I can't. I think Phil has written Yorick so well in the sense that like anybody else saying that to Lyra, you know, you'd have a little bit of emotion. But like whenever Yorick uses like any kind of like emotional language or shares any kind of physical affection, you're just like, oh, my God, this is coming from Yorick who's like this big stoic bear dad who's like, he's probably never really experienced these feelings for anyone before because it doesn't really seem like the bears have like intimate relationships. And also it's a very human thing as well. So maybe that's part of his am I becoming human vibes. Yeah, he's very much gone from like referring to Lyra as like the girl Lyra Silvertongue to like... My dear, my friend. dear friend. Also, because she's so... She's always calling him Yorick dear. It's very like... He's using her word for her and it's like... Yeah, and they just they have a, they have a little cuddle. I want to, I want to cuddle a bear, please. Yeah, <laughs> and the vibe of him like they must like cuddle him for a while, and obviously Lyra. It seems like Lyra wants to stay with the cuddle, and he like disengages her arms and is like, "Bye." It's like, like what? Yeah, yeah, that's enough. <laughs> and sidesteps out of there. <laughs> oh. And Lyra thought his outline was lost almost at once against the pallor of the snow-covered ground. But it might have just been that her eyes were full of tears. He went blurry real fast. Yeah. Will goes out to find her. He leaves the knife so that Tally and Sally are like, don't think that he's going to escape. Pan's a wolf and he's just staring at the sky because no. he's sad about Yorick. Oh my God. And it just gets me. <sighs> it kind of came as a shock to me when Lyra's like, not that she says, I love him so much, Will, but when she's like, and he looked old, he looked hungry and old and sad. Because, like, we haven't had that. And I wonder if it's because we've been seeing Yorick through Will's eyes and Will doesn't know Yorick as well as Lyra does. So she's noticed that he looks old and hungry and sad. Yeah. But also this is, like, this chapter is the first chapter we've seen Yorick experiencing, like, doubt and being troubled and all of this stuff and it's like yeah he is too old for this shit he just needs to go and live his bare life but yeah it's just also like it's so reminiscent of like those those moments that you have in your life where you look at people that you grew up with thinking of as like oh it's this grown-ups and stuff but when you look and you're like oh my god you're old you're old but i feel like they're too young to be experiencing those feelings are people looking at me and thinking that about me <laughs> They're like, oh god, she's so old now. Just like getting really upset when you go back to visit your parents. All the all the people that live in the village, are like, look at Rich, looks so old now. Oh she looks god. so tired and old and hungry. Oh my god! <laughs> like, I mean, that's just my life. <laughs> but yeah, they have like a well. Lyra has like a realization, a really sad realization that it's like we can't rely on anyone else. It's just us, but we're not old enough. But And she says, but we aren't old enough. And I feel like we've not seen her use that language in a little while. Yeah, we haven't had an end in a while. Yeah, <laughs> like a bit of a regression. And they mentioned, mentioned Lee again. If poor Mr. Scoresby's dead and Yorick's old, it's all coming on to us. What's got to be done? But Will's like, we, we can do it. <laughs> yeah, Will's like the, the trying to be the voice of reason, I suppose. It's like, we can do it, we can do it. But first we've got to sleep and like to sleep, we've got to go into this other world. I suppose it's kind of a distraction in a way. It's like... The choice of words is interesting. He says, we can do it. I'm not going to look back anymore. And I don't know if that's him resolving about his mum. Yeah, I think like, it I'm is. not going to look back anymore. I'm not going to doubt this anymore, which is like quite important. Like, ugh, well, don't forget about your mama, but also do because you need to, but also don't. <laughs> And I love that they, because um, they decide they're going to have to cut through and they're like, if they follow us, they follow us. They they can't stop us cutting through and going to find somewhere different to sleep. And I love that Pam turns into a tiger to try and be intimidating. It's adorable. But also just the energy that is just them being like, we're going to go into another world. And like the spies are like, but you lied to us. But like just the announcing it, not trying to do it sneakily, not trying to sneak off, just being like, this is what we're doing now. And like, it's awkward. But also Lyra's smugness here is hilarious because they're like, you lied. And Lyra's like, no, I lied. Will doesn't lie. You didn't think of that. As if it's like, ha ha. 
gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's not really a gotcha, is it? Like, it's just lying. <laughs> it's not some magical trick. They're like, oh, well, one of us never lies and one of us never tells the truth. <laughs> also, the knife will doesn't realise how much he loved the knife. It makes him, him feel whole again. He can feel whole again. Yes, I gave her the eyes. I was hoping that she would sing it. <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't know how this episode has included quite so many songs, but I'm I'm glad that it has. And I'm so sorry, dear listeners, that you've had to listen to my squawking. <laughs> Just be glad I did not try and sing Sean Paul. <laughs> so yeah, they have a bit of a back and forth, but then they end up all going through the window anyway. Sally keeps watch while him and Lyra go to sleep, and Tally's on his fucking resonator straight away, and I can just imagine him fucking livid. Instead of like the saddest little violin, it's like the angriest little violin. He's fucking fuming. <laughs> He's like, these fucking kids, how dare they? Like, OMG. Mr. Lord Rogue, you would not believe the shit that I've had to put up with today. (laughs) These kids. (sighs) And that's the end of the chapter. Yes. They've got a knife. It got mended. They cut through. That chapter could have been condensed and put into a page and a half at the end of the last chapter, but we're all fine with it. (laughs) No, I, I like that they dedicate a whole chapter to fixing the knife, I guess. I feel like that's pretty cool. I liked that they dedicated a whole chapter to Yorick. True. And his skills as a metal worker. <laughs> yeah, his skills and his, um, like, speaking to Lyra and Will and, you know, having them get a goodbye with Yorick because Lyra didn't get that with Lee. True. You know, if if Yorick has gone for good. And I, again, I'm not saying that, be- like, I'm not saying that as they're like, ooh, I just genuinely can't remember if Yorick comes back or not. Um. But it doesn't feel like he's going to. That feels very much like a goodbye, bear dad chapter to me. Yeah. Oh, bear dad. Yeah. <sighs> What's the next chapter called, Rich? Tell me. The Intention Craft. Oh, okay. And do you want to know what? Spoilers abound. I've already spotted Mrs. Coulter's name and Lord Azriel's name on the first page. Same. I also what? spotted that. <laughs> Here we go. Here we Indeed. fucking go. having an award to give out obviously it's for Yorick (laughs) it's a big goodbye cuddle from Yorick that's what it is best best bear dad best currently alive dad oh god (laughs) Um, best he's just we even have the biggest uh, number one dad mug that you can possibly find Yeah, yeah for sure yeah mine's the same of course who else could it be for it's gotta be for Yorick that's how it's gonna go incredible incredible if you enjoy listening to this podcast you could do us the tremendous favor of leaving us a review we love reviews we need them they are good for getting us up in the charts and helping other people to find this podcast that we love making and we want more people to hear. So to incentivize you guys a little bit and to reward you for reviewing us, we have opened up like a little prize draw thing. If you've been listening for a while, you know this spiel. Leave us a review, take a screenshot, email it to us at her.materialspod at gmail.com and that screenshot, that email becomes your entry into a prize draw where we hit 50, which feels like a really good number. We're going to pull 10 names out of a hat and 10 of you will get some super cool HDM pod bookmarks and one special person will get a full up-to-date sticker merch pack with bookmarks and all of the stickers that we've got up to the point at which we pulled the names out of the hat. Hell yeah. Give us five stars. Oh, yeah. Say nice things. If you can't review us, I don't want to. Tell a friend about us. Shout us out on social media. Email us anyway. We bloody love an email. Tweet at us. Tell us what your demon would have been this week. Yep, yep. Anything. Just, we love hearing from you all. So get in touch. Get in touch. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Her Dark Materials. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HDMPod. And you can email us at herdarkmaterialspod at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at hdmpod.co.uk. If you want to support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash hdmpod. We also have a shop where you can buy merch featuring all original artwork from Rich. You can find it at hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop. 
I'm Fair, and when I'm not talking about being cradled in Yorick's arms, you can find me talking about Paramore on my other podcast, Still Into You. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts and find us on Twitter and Instagram at Still Into You Pod. I'm Rachel, and when I'm not here saying a potential heartfelt farewell to Bear Dad, I'm making cute and magical arty things. You can find me over on Instagram at Rachmakes, on Twitter and TikTok at Rach underscore makes, and over in my online shop, rachmakes.co.uk. A huge thanks, as always, to Johnny Knott for his musical stylings. And we'll see you in two weeks' time. And don't forget, keep telling stories, and all will be well. Oh, I hope it's not goodbye. <laughs> it probably is. Uh... <laughs>